family of five brutally murdered in their own home by a killer who vanished without a trace. Welcome to Simply Strange, the podcast where anything spooky, weird, and goosebump-inducing is fair game. Wow, here we are, the first episode. It's a pleasure to have you joining me today. My name is PJ Vergnetti, and I'll be your guide as we undertake this journey together. But before we get too deep into it, I want to take a second to talk about what exactly this podcast is. As you may have noticed by now, this episode is going to be talking about a murder. But this is not a true crime podcast. I love true crime podcasts, but there's already so many good ones out there. Anything I'd be doing with this would have already been done. And if we're being totally honest, probably done better. Now, I I understand this episode is about a murder but that's not going to be an every episode thing um really the goal with this podcast is to explore anything weird and unexplained things like unsolved murders aliens paranormal activity cryptozoology things that are simply strange today we do happen to be talking about a very creepy unsolved murder the Hinterkaifeck murders so without further ado let's go ahead and get into it the year is 1922 Hinterkaifeck is a small remote farmstead about a kilometer north of the town of Kaifeck, Germany which was about 60 kilometers north of Munich its name in German literally translates to Behind Kaifek, and it's home to the Gruber family. They're pretty well-off and well-known around town, but they aren't particularly well-liked, especially the 72-year-old patriarch of the family, Andreas Gruber. He's got a bit of a strange reputation around town. Antisocial, sometimes violent. It's believed that he's abusive towards his wife, Cassilia, as well as his children, of which there's only one still living. His 35-year-old daughter, Victoria, who he's believed to have an ongoing incestuous relationship with. Her husband was killed a few years back in World War I. She has a seven-year-old daughter, presumably with her deceased husband, also named Cassilia, and she has a two-year-old son as well, Yosef. It's kind of unclear where exactly Yosef came from. Victoria had a thing with a guy in town named Lorenz Schlittenbauer, but there is also a possibility that Yosef was fathered by her father. Because, by the way, the whole incest thing. Andreas and Victoria were actually both convicted and jailed for it. This wasn't just some gossip floating around town about the weird family living in the woods. This was a real thing that was going on, so do with that information what you will. The point is that the Gruber family has a bit of a weird reputation. They're reclusive, 
the kids go to school and the whole family goes to church every Sunday, but aside from that, they aren't really seen out that much. Interestingly enough, despite the public knowledge of her shenanigans with her dad, Victoria is actually one of the more well-liked members of the Gruber family, largely because she has a lovely singing voice and takes part in the church choir every Sunday. Now, as if the weird family dynamic isn't enough, odd things start to happen around Hinterkaifeck Farm. Six months ago, the maid quit. She said the house was haunted and she couldn't take it anymore. She heard dismembered footsteps and voices coming from the attic. When she left, she was ghostly, pale, and emaciated. Andreas checked to see what was going on. He looked in the attic. He didn't find anything, and he figured she'd just gotten sick or gone crazy. In the weeks after the maid leaving, Andreas Gruber begins noticing some strange things around the farm. He finds a mysterious set of footprints in the snow that leads from the edge of the forest to the farm, but there aren't any footprints leading back to the woods. They just stop. He finds a newspaper on the porch. No one in the family recognizes it or has any idea where it came from. Then one day he notices that the lock to their garage has been tampered with. It looks like someone tried to break in. Soon after, a pair of keys goes missing. Pretty creepy stuff, especially when you keep in mind that the maid had just quit because she thought she was hearing footsteps in the attic. So at this point, you can imagine there's probably a little bit of concern at Hinterkaifeck Farm about what's behind all of this. Andreas does what he can to investigate. He checks the house, the garage, the barn, the attic all of their property for any hints as to what's behind all of these strange events, but he finds nothing. When he mentions it to the family, they're just as perplexed as he is. Nobody's seen anything. He goes down to Kaifek to see if anyone has noticed anything weird or any odd people around town. And he's so distressed that one of his neighbors actually offers to give him one of their guns for protection. But again, no one's seen anything out of the ordinary. At this point, there's not really much concrete information for them to go off of. Obviously, something is going on. Maybe someone's sneaking around the property. There's a crazy guy squatting in the attic who comes down every now and then to read the newspaper when no one's home. Or maybe it's Lorenz Schlittenbauer, the guy who's the possible father of Victoria's child. As I mentioned, Victoria and Andreas have an ongoing incestuous relationship that seems to be mostly insisted on by Andreas. However, Victoria and Lorenz also maintain a relationship of their own. Lorenz reportedly wanted to marry Victoria, but Andreas wouldn't let it happen. He's extremely protective of her and does everything in his power to snuff out the relationship. So... Is it possible that some of these strange events were just him sneaking around? Maybe the footprints in the snow were just him coming up from the forest to see Victoria. It's hard to say. The Grubers certainly had no idea, except for maybe Victoria. So they did all they really could do. They went on with their lives. The kids went to school. Victoria kept singing in the church choir. Andreas and Cassilia kept tending the farm. On March 30th, they even hired a new maid. Unfortunately, 
March 30th, 1922, was also the last day that anyone saw the Gruber family alive. Saturday, April 1st, back in Kaifek, life was moving along as usual. The town was bustling, the kids were in school, everything seemed normal. Except that the kids were in school on a Saturday. I don't know what kind of operation they were running, but that doesn't seem like any way to live. The only one thing that was a little strange was that young Cassilia missed school that day. But people just figured she came down with a fever or something and didn't read into it too much further. On Sunday, April 2nd, the Grubers didn't show up at church, which was extremely rare, almost unheard of. This did start to concern people a bit, but a few people noticed smoke coming from the chimney of the Gruber house, so they figured everything was okay. Maybe the adults were just staying home to take care of the sick children. Monday, April 3rd, Cassilia missed school again. The postman noticed when he was delivering the Gruber's mail that Saturday's mail was still in the mailbox. He also knew that they hadn't been seen around town for a couple days, so he looked around a little bit. He knocked on the door to the house and peeked in a few windows. When no one answered the door and he couldn't find anyone, he just left. Later that day, smoke was again noticed coming from the chimney. Tuesday, April 4th. The Grubers had hired a mechanic to fix some equipment on their farm. When he arrived to the farm in the morning, he knocked on some doors and looked around for the Grubers, but he was unable to find anyone. Eventually, he gave up the search. He knew the job he had been hired for, so he went ahead and made the necessary repairs and left. As he was going home, he mentioned to a few neighbors that he hadn't been able to find any of the Grubers and asked that they let them know that he had completed the job. This made it four days in a row that no one had seen any of the Gruber family. The neighbors finally decided that they could no longer ignore the strange disappearance, that maybe it was more than just a coincidence that no one had seen them. Perhaps something more serious was at work than just a sick child. They were finally worried enough to go investigate. A few neighbors formed a search party and went up to the farm to see what they could find. They knocked, looked through the windows, called out their names, nothing. At this point, there wasn't much else they could do but go inside. So they went inside. Nothing could have prepared them for the gruesome scene that they were about to uncover. Inside the barn, the search party uncovered four brutally beaten corpses covered in hay. 
They appeared to be the bodies of Andreas, Victoria, and both the elder and younger Cecilia. Each one had sustained varying levels of trauma to the head. At this point, the neighbor sent a young man to get the police, which is a task that was easier said than done back then. The lad had to bike a kilometer southeast to the nearby town of Fengen to ask the mayor of the town to phone the police in Munich. Obviously, it took a while for the police to arrive, so while everyone waited, they continued searching the premises for the remaining residents of the farmstead. Upon searching the home, it didn't take long for the search party to find two more dead bodies. Young Yosef was found in the sleeping cot in Victoria's bedroom, and the new maid, Maria Baumgartner, was found in her sleeping quarters. Both also appeared to have sustained several blows to the head. Eventually, the police arrived to give the crime scene a proper assessment and to get the bodies prepared for an autopsy, which was performed by Dr. Johann Baptiste Amuller, a court-appointed coroner. The autopsy report gave vivid detail of the horrifying injuries sustained by each member of the family. If you're squeamish, you might want to skip the next three minutes because it's pretty gnarly. If you're sick like me, then let's carry on. Investigators believed that each member of the family was lured into the farm one by one, where they were locked in and savagely subjected to numerous blows from a mattock, a tool similar to a pickaxe. Andreas sustained several blunt force injuries to the head. His face was caked in blood and the skin around his cheeks was so badly shredded that his cheekbones were exposed. His wife, Cecilia, had bruises around her neck, indicating that she had been strangled. She also sustained seven blows to the head that were so severe that her skull had cracked. Victoria had nine star-shaped wounds to her head and face, leaving her with a cracked skull as well. She also appeared to have sustained a major blow to the right side of her face from a blunt object. The younger Cecilia was covered in gaping circular wounds and had her lower jaw completely shattered. Everyone except young Cecilia appeared to have been killed fairly quickly, but she instead remained alive and in shock for several hours after. In her panicked final moments, she ripped out handfuls of her own hair as she lay helpless in the corner of the barn, covered in hay and surrounded by the corpses of her family. Given that they were lured in one by one, it's possible that she was still alive as the killer trapped and killed her family in front of her. The two bodies upstairs seem to have been killed with a little more precision. Yosef with a swift blow to the face from a large blunt object, and Maria with two intersecting blows to the head. Their bodies were covered as well. Six people dead. It was determined that they had been killed on the 31st, the first and last day of Maria's tenure as the maid, and the day before Cecilia missed school for the first time. All told, the Grubers were dead for four days, and this is where things start to get really creepy. 
there was abundant evidence that someone remained on the premises in the days after their death. The neighbors had been seeing the smoke coming from the chimney all throughout the time that the family was missing. And upon further investigation, they found that someone had been feeding the animals. They even helped themselves to the kitchen. Whoever the killer was, they had remained at the house for days after the murder, living among the corpses of their victims. The police also found some tiles removed from the ceiling in the attic, giving a clear view of much of the property. It's hard to say if this is something that happened after the murders, maybe the killer keeping an eye out for people approaching the farm so that they could escape in time. Or maybe there was something to those footsteps and voices that the previous maid had heard coming from the attic. Maybe the killer was living among them for months before the murders, watching them through the roof, even leaving the attic sometimes when the coast was clear. It's impossible to know. Investigators did the best they could with what they had to work with, but it was kind of a tough situation. The killer was gone, as was the murder weapon, and an extra layer of difficulty was added to the investigation by the members of the initial party who had gone up to find the bodies. While everyone was waiting on the police to get there, they kind of made themselves at home. Word spread around quickly and a crowd gathered. People loitered around the property, wandering all throughout the house. Reportedly, some were even so bold as to help themselves to the pantry and cook up some food. Which I guess is fine. It was just going to go to waste otherwise. But all of these people wandering around the crime scene made it extremely difficult to extract any useful information and ultimately they really didn't end up finding much and had to rely on guesswork gossip and interrogations over the years at least a hundred possible suspects were interrogated in relation to the murders but no one was ever arrested there were a number of different theories each one about as credible as the one before, and none of them really all that credible. The first theory was that it was a robbery gone wrong, perhaps by the hand of vagrants passing through town, probably looking to rob the relatively wealthy Gruber family. But this theory died quickly because there were large sums of money found untouched on the property. It turns out Victoria had withdrawn most of her savings a few days prior with the intent of using it to make some improvements around the farm. And it was all still there. Whoever did this was no robber, and had likely set out with the intent to kill. So now the question is, was this just a random act of violence? Or was this atrocious act carried out by someone that the family knew? One of the more developed theories is our old pal, Lorenz Schlittenbauer. We know that he and Victoria had a relationship. They wanted to get married, but Andres wouldn't allow it. So there's probably some tension there to begin with. On the night of the killings, he claims to have been sleeping in his own barn to look out for burglars or no-good doers or something like that, which seems a little suspect to me. On top of all this, he was the leader of the search party that first discovered the bodies, and 
During the investigation process and court proceedings, other people who were present at the scene shared some very condemning observations about their experience on the farm that day. They claimed that he seemed strangely familiar with his surroundings, comfortable even, that he had actually pulled a key out of his pocket in order to open the barn door, and we already know that a key had mysteriously vanished weeks before. Was this the same key? The bodies were actually positioned right in front of the door, and in order to open it, he had to push them out of the way with the door, and he reportedly was completely unfazed and seemed unsurprised by the fact that the bodies were there in the first place. He even started moving the bodies around and digging through the hay once he entered the room. He claimed he was looking for his son, Yosef. Some say he even went as far as to make himself a meal in the kitchen while waiting on the police to arrive. So clearly he was coping pretty amicably with the discovery of six dead bodies, including that of his supposed lover and maybe his son. Another notable observation involved the family dog. When the mailman had come by and noticed the Grubers weren't getting their mail, he also mentioned that the dog was tied up outside. Well, when the search party got there, the dog was in the barn, and it immediately honed in on Lorenz, ferociously barking at him. Given all this information, it seems to me like he's the guy. Maybe when he told his wife that he was keeping lookout in the barn, he was actually having a secret meetup with Victoria in her barn. It's rumored that Victoria was suing him for alimony, so maybe tensions were high and they got in an argument. Let's say he loses it. He kills Victoria and tries to hide her in the hay. But young Cassilia comes in looking for her, so he kills her too. Andreas and the elder Cassilia come looking for them, and they meet the same fate. He haphazardly throws more hay over the bodies, but at this point, he knows the remaining residents are going to find out eventually, so he goes inside and finishes the job. On the surface, it sounds pretty convincing, but on the other hand, maybe he's just unlucky and things kind of lined up in a way that didn't look so good for him. Maybe he just had a key so he could see Victoria, and maybe he seemed unsurprised because of shock. The dog, too, was just scared of the whole situation. Ultimately, he was questioned by the investigators, and then he was released. Another interesting theory is that Victoria's husband, Carl, the one that died in the war, didn't actually die in the war. Fun fact about that, no one ever actually recovered his body, so maybe he deserted and went into hiding or went crazy and spent some time in an asylum, I don't know, who knows. But maybe he somehow was still alive and finally made his way back to Victoria, only to find that she had had a child with another man. Then maybe he went off the deep end and killed her and everyone else on the property. This is an interesting theory and all, but there's not much that can really be done with it since no one there knew where he might be. And he was legally dead, and there were multiple eyewitnesses who confirmed his death in combat. 
So this one's just kind of a fun theory, but there doesn't seem to be much supporting evidence for it. And there was no one to even question. Another theory that was brought up was that maybe it was a murder-suicide pact between Andreas and Victoria, although there was really no evidence of that, and the wounds ended up being inconsistent with suicide, so that got scratched fairly easily also. Investigators questioned suspects for years, with the most recent questioning taking place in 1986, but they never found any definitive evidence of who the killer was, and no arrests were ever made. There was a study done in 2007 by a German police academy that used more modern technologies, which were obviously unavailable during the initial investigations. And they claim to have pinned the identity of the killer, but they also claim that person is dead. And out of respect to their family, the identity was never released. So as far as the public knows, the killer was never found. And at this point, will probably never know their identity. Over the years, this story has become something of a legend. It's chilling nature, igniting the curiosity of all who hear it. What if the killer really was living in the attic months before the attack was finally carried out? The maid hearing the footsteps in the attic, the keys going missing, the mysterious footsteps, what if all these things or more than just an anomaly, and there actually was someone hiding in the attic watching. Can you imagine what the Grubers must have been going through? Living with the constant fear that someone else is hiding in your home, sneaking around when your back is turned, constantly having that feeling, that sensation when shivers run through your body and the hair on your neck stands on end and you feel like someone's watching you. How much did the Grubers really know about what was going on under their own roof? Unsurprisingly, no one had much interest in moving into the old Gruber estate after what happened. The farmstead sat around empty for about a year after the murders and was eventually torn down. In the process, the missing murder weapon was found in the attic. All that's left today is a shrine that was built by the road near where the farm used to be to commemorate the lives of the Grubers and immortalize their terrible, fascinating story. Well guys, that is a wrap. Thanks again for taking some time to join me today. I hope you found this story as thought-provoking and interesting as I did. If you have uh, any other theories, definitely be sure to Leave those in the comments below, and uh, if you enjoyed this, go ahead and hit that subscribe button. We are only on YouTube right now, but uh, once we're a little bit deeper in, I plan on getting on at least Apple Podcasts, maybe Spotify. We'll see what happens if we're already at that 
point, uh, feel free to subscribe there too. We'll be doing a new episode every other Wednesday, so keep an eye out for that. Uh, Thanks again for joining, and this concludes the inaugural episode of Simply Strange. And until next time, if you think someone might be living in your attic, make sure to do a very thorough investigation.